For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Hey everybody, uh, it's Jonathan here uh, with my friend Kevin Huddleston. And uh, we are, we are uh, recording a uh, testimony on this podcast. Very excited about this testimony. And uh, Kevin and I have, uh, we've had, we were just talking, we've had uh, lots of conversations, but they've all been either on Facebook Messenger and, and uh, uh, if you're a part of my apologetics group on Facebook, we've had a lot of conversations on there. Uh, I'm sure he's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's made you scratch your head a few times and <laughs> in that group and uh, challenged you a little bit. And if you're a part of that and you've commented and, and interacted in that. Uh, <clears throat> so what are we going to talk about, though, today this, on today's podcast? So I'm, I'm interviewing uh, Kevin and uh, Kevin's going to in- introduce himself a little more here in just a second. Uh, but Kevin is uh, someone who was once a Christian and uh, kind of, uh, <clears throat> to my knowledge, and he correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, kind of was having some doubts about the faith and and uh, theology and that sort of thing. And and. Uh, and uh, felt led, and he ended up turning to atheism, and then uh, actually started coming. He came back to Christianity, and uh, just some really cool stuff happened in his life. And and uh, you can see when you talk to him how you can tell by how passionate he is about theology and those sorts of things, how important those things were, and uh, him coming back to Christianity. Uh, so listen, we're going to talk about this testimony here. But if you have, uh, if you would like to share your testimony, if you're a Christian, you you have a testimony. Uh, that's important to know first of all. Uh, but if you would like to share your testimony on here, uh, you never know who it could impact and uh, who could who could uh, hear the gospel through your uh, gospel presentation and just you sharing the story of your life. You know, so uh, if you want to do that, just email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. Uh, that'd be the easiest way to get a hold of me. You can try to message me, especially if you know me personally, you'll send me a message or whatever. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, set up a time with you to uh, have you on the podcast so you can share your testimony. All right. So. <clears throat> Let me introduce uh, my guest Kevin here today, and uh, you're not—you don't have your PhD yet, right? Have you? Not yet. No. Okay. Not yet, brother. <laughs> uh, so he's Master Kevin. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Kevin and I had actually we we met uh, discussing on Facebook, and uh, just really uh, some stuff we teamed up on, some stuff we kind of argued with each other on and debated on. Uh, <laughs> We've had a lot of very interesting conversations, and Kevin's Kevin's mentioned things to me uh, that I had never thought about before, or haven't been challenged in certain ways, and uh, it's really helped me strengthen my faith and my walk with the Lord and uh, my beliefs. And I just uh, just a little bit I know of Kevin and uh, seeing his post and how he interacts with people. Uh, you can see he has a heart for people, a heart for the gospel, a heart for Jesus. Uh, it's just really cool, and I know I can tell all that just from uh, his the interactions I've had with him on Facebook. Uh, and uh, seeing some of the interactions she's had with some uh, some knuckleheads on Facebook, <laughs> it's a nice word, nicest word we could use for some of those people. Uh, I don't know about you, Kevin, but the the meanest group I ever had conversations yeah. with uh, were the Jewish people. Those were some of the meanest jokers uh, I have ever conversated with. <laughs> Man, I mean, it felt like I was you know first century BC. I mean, a first century AD or something. Uh, it was, yeah, right. <laughs> That was some, that was some tough stuff. Uh, but anyways, all right. So you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and, uh, you know, talk about uh, your ministry and what you've done over the years and, and uh, what you're doing now. Yeah. Well, I, you know what, brother, I, I, first of all, thank you for that very, very kind introduction. Uh, you're very, you're full of grace and mercy. 
you're, you're right. You and I do disagree on some things. We agree on the most important things. And uh, I try not to be a jerk on Facebook. You know, I, I in fact, it's so funny. Um, and, and by the way, I appreciate you and what you're doing with this podcast. I think I think that it's uh, pushing the, the kingdom of God forward, which is what we're supposed to be doing. You know, your, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. And that's what you're trying to do. Um, so I, I'm 110% behind you on this and, uh, and I really appreciate you. Um, you know, I just had a pastor, uh, today, actually, I just read this message today where he said, well, I don't know. And this was a fellow uh, Baptist pastor. I mean, I've been a Southern Baptist all my life. I was raised in Georgia. Um, I live up here in Wisconsin now, but, uh, uh, been a Baptist, went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, got my MDiv there, um, uh, took a bunch of classes at some other universities and, and uh, uh, would, hoping to get a PhD uh, one day, but we'll see. This pastor told me, he said, you know, I don't think I could be a reference for you uh, if you wanted to pastor a church because you just, when you get on Facebook, you, you, how did he put it? He said, you, you cause people to ask too many questions and which causes division. And I said, you know, my response to him was questions are a good thing. God's not afraid of our questions and yeah. you, know who else you said can that? ask questions. Yeah. The Pope. <laughs> What's that? So, you know, who else said that's the Pope? <laughs> I'm sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, but there, you know, there's no, you can ask questions and God's not afraid of our questions. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid of asking questions. Um, I've been down the road of atheism and come back uh, by God's grace. So I'm not afraid to ask some questions. But I said, ultimately, what I like to do is sort of push, push people a little bit to think beyond their traditional uh, ideology. Um because I, I think there's some really wonderful, low-hanging fruit out there theologically and biblically um, that can really enrich people's lives if, if they'll just sort of think about it and, yeah. and get out and come out of their, their shell a little bit. Anyway, all that said, um, I, I don't know if you're going to ask me more later about my journey or if I should start that now or uh, what you'd like me to do. Yeah, just... Um... Well, first, let's just, just talk about, you know, you talk about your, you know, your, you, you do actually, I've seen, like I said, I've, I've just, uh, I've only interacted with you on Facebook, yeah. uh, but I know you've been, uh, you know, like you said, you were a pastor uh, for many years and uh, <clears throat> are you still working for the Ronald McDonald house or is that you, you, I no, I was there for 13 years, yeah. uh, quarter, quarter of my life yeah. and uh, did, we, we accomplished some great things. The, the whole journey getting into the nonprofit world was due to my, um, um, I guess you could say my strain from my faith. Um, so I, I went to, you know, SBTS, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I pastored a church after that, pastored another church after that, another church after that, was there for about five years. And that's where I started questioning some things. Um, that's when I got out of the pastoral ministry, but it was a, it was a process. Uh, yeah. This whole, this whole thing was a process getting from belief to unbelief. And I'm happy to talk about that when you're ready to talk about it. But 
Um, you know, now I have spent, let's see, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, maybe 16 years in the nonprofit world. But I've also in more recent years pastored a couple of churches, very, very part-time. One was transitional. They were going through some issues. Uh, I was there to try to help them rebuild. Another one was very, very part-time. Then COVID hit and it was just, everything went crazy. My full-time job at RMHC. So I said, I, I've done all I can do there and I'm, I, I need to pass the baton to somebody else. So um, uh, that was the last church I pastored and that, that ended in uh, 20, August of 2020. So uh, yeah, I, th right I thought now, it was recent. Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm the director of outreach at uh, CareNet Pregnancy Center of Dane County, which is a pro-life Christian parachurch ministry, actually. Hmm. It's, it's an accredited um, clinic. We have, I mean, it's like almost like don't even get me started. There are so many programs and things that we do there. Uh, but our ultimate goal is to save lives, babies' lives, not just babies' lives, but share the gospel with these moms, with dads, um, uh, teach them life skills, help them get on their feet, um, get them to a church, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful job uh, because it is a nonprofit, but it's also a ministry. So it's a really interesting yeah. mix of what I've done for most of my life. Yeah, okay. Cool. And uh, so, so you were you were in the process of getting of getting your PhD, though, right? You started some classes and all that, and but you have an MDiv. You said, well, I've yeah, I have an MDiv, and yeah. uh, and I read constantly. My wife has obtained in her rear end that I have books all over the place. I just always read. Yeah. Um, uh, currently, I'm not officially in any kind of PhD program, um, so I. I've, I've applied, you get accepted and then, then things happen in life and you go, I yeah. gotta I'm changing my job and we thought we were going to move and all that stuff happened. So uh, <laughs> that was put on hold, but uh, you know, I'm 53 years old, but not too old to, to still get a PhD. And that's what right. I've wanted to do for many, many, many years. And I, I'll, I'll get it one day. Yeah, I know how all that goes. You know, I'm, I was, I, I still haven't started my master's stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm set to do it. <laughs> but man, yeah. I actually, I had moved down to Florida. I had some issues at a church there. I mean, I was only at this church for six months. You know, somebody's at a church for yeah. six months. There's some, there's some problems there, you know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Leave yeah. Leave that at that. But uh, <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. And uh, so I, had, I left that church and, and started this church going way better. And you can, you can just, yeah. you can just fear, feel the, uh, the spiritual difference and, and excitement and that kind of thing. It's pretty cool. Uh, but I awesome. definitely know what that's like. And I was like, yeah, I'll just start. I, Cause I first moved down here. I'm like, well, I don't want to start school as soon as I moved yeah. down here. And now I'm like, well, I can't start school now. I just started this new church. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That's, that's the nice thing nowadays where you can, you can take online classes. And yeah. I mean, you can get your MDiv legit from a good school online. And it's just, it's just a lot of hard work. And, right. uh, now, has your wife, has she had the baby yet, or is she still? Not yet. Wait. She's uh, three okay. weeks out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, when that baby comes, yeah, you, you'll be yeah, up Then I'll tonight. start school. <laughs> <laughs> you'll want to. Yeah, all right. 
Yeah, I'm going to go to New Orleans, so uh, I'll be back in a couple of years. Oh, awesome. No. Yeah, it's a great school, man. No, yeah. no, I was no just if, kidding, you, but... if you did. Oh, yeah. well, New Orleans South, any of the Southern yeah. seminaries are good, but wherever you want to go. Yeah, I've actually, uh, we went to New Orleans. They do that big uh, apologetics conference. I don't know if you heard about it, uh, but they, they invite all the big neighbors oh, out no. there. And Yeah. No, I haven't heard about um, that. I know Southeastern has not only an MDiv, but they have a DMIN program. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that you can do online and you spend, actually, they will fly the professors out to you uh, for face-to-face -face stuff. That's what they did here in Madison anyway. Wow. Um, and I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, I've, my dream has been to, to really dive in and do a PhD. So I didn't, I didn't spend the money for the D-Men, but it was, it's super cheap too, actually. It's crazy. Anyway, I'm getting off topic yeah, here. I have to look into that. <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk about, uh, so your interview is going to be a little different when you talk about testimony, because uh, I'd like to hear the stories of, of both times. Uh, and uh, maybe you can kind of, I'm sure we'll kind of sense it when you share your testimony, but I'd like to, I'd like to hear your thoughts, you know, at least briefly uh, about soteriology, you know, especially, I mean, you know, being in Baptist circles, uh, what the what what the view is on on being saved you know once saved always saved uh yeah so uh but i'm sure you probably mention that as you as you go but uh so let's talk <laughs> about some of this stuff you know some of this stuff kind of overlap too uh sure so what was your what was your life like uh you know just kind of growing up and that sort of thing like your home life and and church life and that sort of thing yeah so i i grew up in a christian home um, I, you know, we didn't, we weren't like super faithful church attenders. Uh, my mom and dad grew up in Christian homes. My mom was Methodist. My dad was Baptist. Um, but you know, my dad was busy at work and we, we didn't attend church. We attended pretty, pretty often, but not all the time. Um, I, I just, I remember church being a part of my life as a young child. Um, I remember my dad being a member of the church basketball team and going to watch him practice with the other guys or play a game or something. But um, we, it wasn't like we, you know, it wasn't like we had Bible study in our house growing up. Um, but we were Christian. And I can remember at five years old, I, I would get up super early, annoy the daylights out of my parents <laughs> because I'd get up so early and I'd go downstairs and click on the TV and uh, back then we only had about five channels, but uh, um, yeah, I'm old. I'm 53. So um, I can remember watching, there was a guy, there was a number of these televangelists that were on and I could name them and you wouldn't know who they were, but there might be some people who would. Mm -hmm. There was a guy named Peter, Peter Popoff. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was his name. <laughs> Ernest Angley was another guy. But I remember one of them, they, they had this picture of Jesus and they were trying to sell it. Of course, they're, try, they're just trying to make money. Mm -hmm. And I saw that picture of Jesus on the TV and I, and I just felt my whole heart just, I wanted that. I wanted Jesus. And, you know, from the earliest time, my earliest memories, I remember wanting Jesus. Um, eventually, I got involved in a youth group. Uh, we started going to Mount Carmel Christian Church, which is uh, in uh, Atlanta or just outside of Atlanta. Big church. Um, got introduced to that from a friend of mine who lived around the corner. Got involved with their youth group, which was a huge youth group. 
And uh, eventually mom and dad started going there too. And we had been going to a Baptist church before, but I'll never forget the Sunday morning. Uh, my dad and I had a conversation and he said, do you think you're ready? Do you believe in Jesus? I said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And he said, oh, do you think you're ready? And I said, okay. So after the sermon, he looked at me and he kind of tapped me on the shoulder and he said, let's go. So I went up and uh, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Jack Ballard was the pastor. He's uh, since gone to be with the Lord, but um, in front of that entire church, he would take his lapel mic off and he was saying, I want you to repeat after me. And I'll never forget this. Isn't this funny? Um, he said, I believe, and I said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, the son of the living God. And that night I was baptized because in the Christian church, uh, you don't wait. <laughs> they, they, they think that's all part of the process. So, um, so I got baptized that night. And there, I mean, there's two or 3,000 people in this church. So from that point on, I, I mean, I, you know, I was involved somewhat in the youth group there. Eventually pulled away from, you know, it's like anybody else's life. You kind of ebb and flow uh, as a kid with your faith. Well, eventually we moved to Newton County, Georgia. And we, I got involved in the youth group at uh, Eastwood Baptist Church. And uh, Craig Bailey, who is still on, I'm still friends with him on Facebook, was the youth minister at the time. And uh, so here, here's, here was my call to the ministry. So I got really involved with that youth group and, and loved it, loved it. Uh, had such a great time. My faith began to grow. Uh, I had a girlfriend that I was having to say no to on certain things, you know, um, that she wanted in, in our relationship. And I was having to say no to um, because I got really involved in this youth group. Um, so one, one Sunday evening, our youth group went to this little tiny church in Covington, or it was in Conyers, Georgia. And I was supposed to get up and share my testimony of how I came to Christ and what I believe. So I get up in front of this church and I, Jonathan, I got to tell you, man, it, it was bizarre. It just flowed out of me. And it was the most natural thing I ever experienced in my life. Just basically, I mean, I was giving my testimony, but I was like preaching almost. And it just came out of me. And after that, uh, Craig came, or the youth minister came to me and said, you know, um, are you, you maybe, do you feel called ministry? And I said, I'm not real sure. Maybe I do. This is just bizarre. This is crazy. This was uh, exhilarating. Um, so what happened was Craig gave me opportunities to preach at Eastwood Baptist Church and had 300 people standing there sitting in front of me. And um, the first sermon I preached was on John 3.16. And my brother and his girlfriend, who, don't, who didn't go to church there, she was not a Christian. They were there to see me preach. She came forward that night and received Christ. And that to me was like a confirmation of some kind. I'm, you know, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be doing this. And uh, the second sermon I preached there, my dad came up and he was weeping. My dad does not cry. He's a farm boy from Oklahoma. Um, he does not cry. And he was weeping on my shoulder and telling me, you know, that God had his hand on me. And I'm just like, 
Now, I'm not saying all this to say, oh, God has his hand on me. I'm just telling you my story. Right. Um, so I decided, yeah, I need to go into ministry. So I went to Britton Parker College, where you went. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was in South Georgia, down in Mount Vernon, and uh, got my bachelor of ministry degree there. Uh, worked in a youth, as a youth minister at church in, in North Thompson Baptist Church in Vidalia, and also in Baxley. Midvale Baptist Church, and eventually before I, and I got married while I was in college, um, and eventually went to Soperton to uh, pastor the Red Bluff Baptist Church. After that, I went up back up to Covington before I went to seminary, but um, so in, in, in seminary, I had my world rocked. Um, I learned things that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, <and laughs> you're laughing because <laughs> you know you yeah. get your world rocked, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" Um, so that was that was quite an experience. But um, I could drag this out way too far, so I'll just um, I'll just say that eventually I ended up at First Baptist Church in Paris, Illinois, and it was around the year 2000. And um, uh, I began to read. I've, I've always been one who loves to read science. I love to read philosophy. Um, I love to stretch my thinking. Um, and I was introduced for the first time to a group called the Jesus Seminar. Are you familiar with those guys? I'm sure yeah. you are. Yeah, very um, unbiased. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching yeah. this, you don't know who they are. That was very sarcastic. So if you look them up, that was <laughs> extremely sarcastic, which is awesome. So John Crossan, um, Marcus Borg. I mean, there's a whole list of these guys. Yeah. And by um, the way, I don't know if you've seen it, but Michael Lacona and uh, John Dominic Crossan actually debated each other. And uh, no, they did. Strange. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, it's one of the strangest debates I've ever seen. Well, I mean, they're on totally two different. And, yeah. and, I mean, that's that's the thing. That's the thing with uh, these guys from the Jesus Seminar, that they are on a different level in the sense that they begin with different presuppositions. Yeah. Uh, they begin saying there are, there are no such thing as miracles. There's no way a resurrection could happen. There's no way Jesus actually healed a blind man and who was blind from birth and, and received a sight they begin with those presuppositions because they, what they say is um you don't see that today so why should we believe that it happened back then and and so that all of this all of this is based on philosophical presuppositions yep. except if you get into the historicity of the gospels um, you find that they have strong historicity that uh, there's very good arguments uh, for why what happened in the Gospels actually happened um, in an Acts, uh, which precipitated all the epistles, of course. But um, anyway, uh, so I started reading Robert Funk. Honest to Jesus was the book that I, one book that really impacted me. Robert Funk was, uh, he's dead now. Um, a Jesus seminar guy, one of the leaders, and brilliant. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I gotta tell you, he's yeah. a brilliant scholar. Yeah, I thought I knew his name before. I, I thought he was part of that. Yeah, it, yeah. it was kind of coming back to me a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I figured you're probably familiar with some of this stuff. Um, So, I mean, but he he was just able to put things out there in such a way that was very persuasive. And even in seminary, I had not been exposed to, to some of this stuff. And it just, I was like blown away. And, and I was like, why didn't anybody teach me this? Why didn't I ever hear about this? Um, that, you know, the historicity of the gospels are in question or, or whatever. I mean, he was just so persuasive that it, it, uh, it really threw me. And I, I began down this road of doubt. And what I'm going to say next is the most important thing that I will say in this podcast. So I hope everybody listens because um, I'm a talker and obviously like just rattle on. <laughs> this is the most important thing that you could hear. My journey from faith to unbelief, it was a journey and it took, it, it went in steps. Um, and anybody who tells you that a, a person who is a Christian who becomes an atheist was never a Christian to begin with, I would challenge that, Jonathan. I would challenge that heavily. I do not believe Jesus ever left me, um, but, but I am capable of turning my back on him. And I can tell you right now that what led me down that road was an intellectual it was, it was intellectual pride and arrogance. And I idolized that. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. You start down this road. And I'm not saying don't ever doubt anything because doubt raises questions. But again, I don't think God's afraid of our questions. And I think there are answers to those questions. But for a Christian to go from the point of being a, pa- I was a pastor at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, a praying pastor who was preaching the gospel. <clears throat> and I went from there eventually to jettisoning, jettisoning my faith. How does that happen? Well, I mean, it, it happens in stages and you begin with doubts and you begin entertaining those doubts And then you start, here's what happened to me. And I guarantee this has happened to other people. There is a certain level of exhilaration and liberation that comes with this intellectual arrogance. Okay. Um, You feel liberated. You feel smarter than everybody else. And you begin to say, all these Christians, they don't know what they're talking about. They never heard this stuff. They don't know what what, what they believe or why they believe it. And they've never heard of any of this. And then you get angry. And I, I got very angry. And I was like, I feel like I've been duped. I was raised in this belief system. I had all my education in this belief system. All my professional career has been in, in this belief system. Now what am I going to do? Um, if, if, if Jesus wasn't really raised from the dead, and that's what it comes down to, that's what it comes down to. And eventually the Jesus Seminar people or the West Star Institute, if you ever see that, run from it. Um, they end up trying to discredit the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what they do. Once you've undercut that, and I guarantee you Satan is behind it, then what's left? 
what's left is a fairy tale, uh, a humanistic ideology of just trying to be a better person with Jesus as our guide. But I got really mad. And eventually I said, I can no longer pastor a church and believe what, what I believe. So I left. Um, but I can tell you right now that that journey is possible for anybody. And anyone out there who thinks that they are immune from that kind of uh, temptation and, and that, that road, then you have already, you've already made the first step down that road. You have to be very, very careful because Satan is crafty. He knows exactly how to pin you down, how to pull you away from Christ. And he knew how to do that to me. And it took many years, but he had all the time in the world, right? Or as far as he thought, I guess, <laughs> you know, to, to do it. And he succeeded. He pulled me away. And what happened eventually, Jonathan, was that I, I felt empty. I mean, it, it took years. And again, this was several years of just going this direction until I finally reached the point where I said, I'm an atheist. And I started debating Christians online and I was their worst nightmare because I went to seminary. I knew all the, <laughs> I knew all the apologetic arguments, you know, and I would just ask questions that they didn't know how to answer. And it was yeah. just horrible to this. I asked God forgiveness for that, but, um, but I was also getting more and more miserable to the point that I started reaching for other things that, to sort of numb the pain, alcohol, uh, you know, whatever I could find that might make me feel good, might make me feel happy and fulfilled. Um, God allowed me to go down that road uh, until I hit rock bottom. Fortunately, I didn't lose my job, didn't lose my family. Um, and uh, Jesus stood by me and took care of me and my family the entire time. But God let me hit rock bottom before um, I turned to him and came back. But again, for your listeners, don't ever say that a true Christian will never abandon their faith. That is simply not true. And I am a living example of that. <laughs> I can tell you right now. Yeah, it sounds like me and you are actually uh, have the same kind of belief on that. And and uh, now I feel like I'm inadequate to, to say my opinion on it because <laughs> I don't know. The same kind of thing kind of happened to me. Uh, I really huh. should, I really should post a uh, video doing my testimony too, but uh, <clears throat> mine, mine wasn't, I, I kind of, I faced some of those same things and, and uh, my professors in my four years at Bruton Parker, I mean, man, I feel like I knew every single atheist argument that was out there. I mean, I, my professors are really good about, about teaching us the, these, huh. uh, these things. And, and the most of that stuff I hadn't heard before, uh, but I, I knew there were people, you know, I figured there were people out there that argued against it and, and uh, you know, we're reasoning and all that stuff. And, but I never got into the debates and all that stuff like that, uh, that early on. But when I was in high school, my mom died, uh, <clears throat> my faith mixed with depression uh, kind of led to that. And uh, the reason I chuckled when you said that earlier <laughs> is because I remember I was, uh, I think you watched at least part of it, but we did the, uh, the panel question and answer thing at my school. Oh yeah. And uh, this you guy, guys had a couple of those. Yeah. I was, uh, I was a part of one of them where I was uh, actually answering the questions, but uh, I had this guy, he come up there and I don't even remember what the question was, 
something about salvation. And that was when I was also wrestling with uh, that free grace theology stuff, uh, which I've, I've basically given up, by the way. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, he he had asked something about salvation. And it was funny because I said, you know, I think there are people out here. I think there are people in the world today who say I'm an atheist that are actually Christians and the whole, <laughs> the whole room. I never had people look at me like I was so crazy before in my life. And I've done some crazy things before. Uh, <laughs> that's why I chuckled. And I'll never, I'll never forget the look on that guy's face. When I said that, he's like, he just, he's just yeah. so confused. Uh, well, but, you, know, you know, it's, it, it's Go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, but I was I was just going to say I had kind of the same experience because, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to go to church. I, I really I hated going to church. I hated the Bible and all that stuff. But what I tell people is, listen, Jesus, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how why is it so hard for people to grasp, but uh, Jesus was not looking for outside appearances. Jesus was looking for what's on the heart what's in the heart. Right. And, uh, you know, and through that whole time, I mean, a lot of people would have looked, looked at me and said, that guy's not a Christian, you know? Uh, but they didn't know <laughs> that I was going to bed at night. Kind of like you were talking about I me mean, just miserable because, yep. uh, I think it's because I had the Holy spirit in me and still holding yep. on to me. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I, you know, in my case, um, my wife and I have three kids that were raised in a home basically without God without church my uh, our oldest is about to turn 19 um our daughter is about to turn 18 and then we have a 15 year old and they were raised in a home without church or god until i came back to christ which was back in about 2015 um 2016 and uh and so that freaked them out because they they had no idea what was going on with dad um, now I didn't I didn't sit around and trash talk the Bible or trash talk God or Christians or anything like that, um, but we didn't go to church either, and they knew that I was a skeptic. Uh, so, so now I have three kids who are are still just you know kind of you know they look at me with scant you know they're like their eyes are you know they're like you know really dad are you serious and and it's been you know six years now they've watched me preach they've seen me pastor churches um but you know i pray for them daily and i i believe god will reach them um but it it had a definite impact my stray from faith impacted the lives of other people uh, my wife, you know, she began to question her faith at one point, but now, of course, she's a believer. Um, but it, I guess, I guess I just want people to understand that this can happen. And, and if you know somebody who is a Christian and they, they lapse in their faith or they end up rejecting it completely for whatever reason, like I did, um, don't just assume that they were never christians to begin with don't it's really arrogant to do that it's very arrogant um and I for think, someone to assume that i go ahead i i think i think i think part of the reason from what i've seen you know it's uh and you can give your thoughts on this too but uh, I've, I've, I've been, I've been standing next to like my mentors and pastors, you know, I got a lot of respect for these guys and all, but, uh, you know, I, I still haven't found a mentor I completely agree with, <laughs> but, yeah. 
but right. I, uh, I, I was, I remember standing next to one pastor and he, he'd been a pastor for 50 years, you know, and they're, they get asked those kinds of questions, you know, well, can you lose your salvation? As a matter of fact, he did a whole mm-hmm. sermon on it because, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, a lot of like music artists and, and, uh, famous people, I think it was about the guy who wrote the, uh, I forget what his name was the guy that wrote the book about, uh, saving yourself for marriage, but he just recently, uh, he just recently uh, just said that he's an atheist now or something. Oh, oh yeah. Who was that? I can't think of him either. I know who yeah, you're I talking think about. His name. But my mentor did this whole sermon on it. And, uh, and I think what the issue is, is they're answering this as a theological question and they're answering it to Christians who, who are strong Christians and uh, they're not, they're not right. dealing with these people directly. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. And the difference is there's a difference between somebody who, uh, rejects their own faith and chooses not to believe anymore and somebody who has lost their salvation. Those are two totally different issues here. Yeah. Um, from a soteriological standpoint, I would say that had I died in the midst of my atheistic, uh, it was like almost a dozen years. Um, had I died during that time, I, I, I would have been redeemed. I would have been, I, I think I would have been with Christ. Um, I, I don't think Jesus's, um, his redemption for me was nullified by the fact that I made some stupid choices that led me down a road that, that my brain, somebody else's brain may not do that. But for me, it led me down a road where I eventually rejected it and said, okay, I'm done with it. Um, he never left me. I left him. And, um, and, and I, again, I know you're going to have listeners who are going to hear this and they're going to take issue with it. That's okay. Um, I just believe that I was never lost um, yeah. by him. I was lost because I, I turned away, but he never left me. Let me uh, let me ask you this though. But in in the in, during that time though, because I mean, like even you said, you openly claim to be an atheist. So if somebody were to ask yeah. you, I guess if somebody were to ask you, or you're a Christian, if or you think you know, if they if they ask you, you think you'd be in heaven, you probably would have said no, anyways, though, right? At least during that time. Oh, I at, at the yeah. time I would have said there is no such no such thing right. as heaven. Well, I think that's important that's what too, I because uh, I think we need to watch out for that. Because I mean, even somebody that might still have the spirit in them that uh that they they could still say stuff like i'm not i'm not going to heaven or i don't believe in heaven and all kind of thing and and uh, really i just that's the key well, i mean and I think, think that's the key to a lot of the this theological discussions is to know that listen it all goes back to do you have jesus christ or not and it just all i mean it all just boils down to that and you know can you be gay and christian can you believe this and be a you christian? know what I mean, you do this and do a christian and <laughs> here's where i come down on it i i don't don't have jesus christ he has me right he has me he i mean for god to come to this tiny blue dot in this immense universe because he loves us so much that he wants us back um i cannot believe and listen if one of my own kids decided that they were going to disown me and their mother as, as you know as their parents it wouldn't keep me from loving them. It wouldn't keep me from trying to seek them and draw them back. And there is nothing that would sever the tie in my heart to one of my own children. And if I feel that way, I feel that way. How much more uh, an infinite 
infinitely loving God who is willing to come here to be a nasty human being. I mean, you know, you got to take baths and I mean, it's just, it's a rough life uh, to come here and to be willing to be tortured and to die. I mean, I, I just, I can't even fathom that. I can't, to me, it doesn't make sense that God would turn his back on me. And, and so in that way, I think the Arminian ideology is completely wrong, completely wrong. Um, I think God looks for every single tiny opportunity to snatch up every human being, every creation and to embrace us. And, and I think the cross, that's the center point. That's what you have to focus on. You have to, you have to focus on the cross because the cross is the picture of how much God loves us, what God is willing to do to have us back. And for me, if I'm an idiot um, and, and I turn my back on him out of my own arrogance, you really think that trumps the cross? I mean, do you think that trumps his love for me? I mean, I just don't. And, yeah. and I don't think it did. I mean, my story of how I came back to him is as bizarre as anything you'll ever hear. Right. So let me, let me ask you this. So uh, <clears throat> it sounds like we've kind of been tackling, you know, how do you deal with somebody who's going through that? But what would, what would I mean, we all know that somebody's going, I mean, me and you both know somebody's going through something like that. Uh, you know, it's very difficult for them to say, well, why don't you uh, take a look at this? And what, what would be your suggestion for dealing somebody dealing with somebody who we think might be in a similar situation like that? Well, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who've had doubts. Um, you cannot, I can tell you this much. Uh, and, and I guess I'm, I'm growing I'm like waxing psychological here. But if a person is intending on questioning their beliefs because they have another motive, like they want to be free from their beliefs, they want to be able to do what they want, um, apologetics is not going to do anything. You can argue yourself into the ground, and it's not going to change people's minds. Um, that has been my experience. I'm not saying apologetics is useless. I think it's very useful. But I think there are certain uh, gaps in people's uh, lives where apologetics becomes useful. But it's only when their, their mind and their heart is turned toward that. If their mind is beginning to turn toward apologetics, then they'll listen to apologetics. If their mind and their heart is turned away like I was, no amount of politics, Jonathan, could have turned me back to Christ at a certain point in my life because I didn't want to turn back to Christ. My intellectual pride, you know, in James it says, you know, we're dragged away and enticed by our own, our own evil desires. Um, well, it's, that's a demonic influence. And I had my own evil desires to just be my own God, to do my own thing. I don't need religion. I don't need any of this. I can do what I want. And so that's where my heart was turned. You could come up, come at me this way when my heart's turned this way. And all it's going to do is, is hit the wall. Yeah. Um, and so here's what I would suggest. If you know somebody who's going through that, befriend them. 
be their friend, hang out with them, just let them talk, let them talk it through, let them doubt, let them do whatever. And if they ask you questions, if, if you know, you'll see the openings. If they say, well, how do you know that Jesus was raised from the dead? I mean, how do you know that? Well, then you can say, well, I mean, there's some arguments here and there. Let's, we can talk about them. But I mean, ultimately, it's all about relationships. I didn't have anybody to do that for me. I had nobody that really tried to have a relationship with me and say, you know what? I hear you. I understand your doubts. I understand your unbelief. Um, I still love you and I want to be your friend. Um, you know, Jesus was like that. He, he would befriend anybody. Um, and the gospel propagates most fluently through relationship and relationships come through love and humility um, and just being a friend to somebody and listening to them and let, letting them be a doubter. Let, it, let, let them be a skeptic. Don't feel like you have to argue with them because as soon as you do, they're going to put up a wall and you're done. You're done. They're not going to want to hang out with you. Yeah. Um, it's a very delicate thing. I, when you ask me, what do we do? I mean, it, it's a very delicate thing. It really is. You just have to be loving. Think about how Jesus responded to people. And the harsh, the people that Jesus responded most harshly to, you know who they were. Yep. Right. Religious people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And why did he do that? Because the religious people did, they pushed and they said, you have to believe this and you have to believe that and you have to do it this way. And Jesus just said, you guys are like the blind leading the blind. You're leading these people to, you know, to hell. Yeah. And you think you're doing a good thing. But in reality, I'm the guy who's walking out here touching the untouchable and loving the unlovable. And that's why he ended up with thousands of people at one point, at one point anyway, in his ministry following him. So, you know, don't, don't spring up with apologetics to try to convince somebody who's doubting. All you're going to do is make them push you away. Um, in most cases, maybe not all cases, but like I said, pray about it. You have to be very sensitive to how people are responding to you. Um, I did have people who tried to argue with me and, um, they got shut down. I just shut them down. I knew the arguments and I'm just like, you know, my arrogance just overflowed. It was just pathetic. Um, so That's pray a, for them. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was, uh, <clears throat> I was just getting teary. I think about that. Cause, uh, you know, you and I both know that uh, ministers, pastors, you know, just, I mean, just Christian people, uh, that there's not there. I mean, there's just not, like you said, you didn't have anybody in your life that, that was willing to sit there and say, okay, yeah, ask me your questions, you know, let's talk about it, you know? Uh, and it's just, it almost, it almost feels overwhelming. I'm sure it does for you too. Just thinking like, man, there's all these people out there and they just have, they have nobody who they can talk to about this stuff. And uh, there's, there's, you know, and it's, it's just an evangelistic, you know, I think it's the evangelism in our hearts, you know, but uh, just reaching right. out to people and, and uh, just being there for people. One of the hardest things for me is all the, you know, I've moved a couple of times. Yeah, I moved, I was, had a lot of relationships in Georgia and then I moved down to Florida and in a town about an hour and a half away from where I'm at now. And, uh, <clears throat> and so I, 
both of those times, I mean, I left people behind that I knew had lots and lots and lots of questions. And I still tried to try to at least, you know, keep in touch with some of them a little bit who I knew were open to those kinds of things. And, and, uh, right. and it's, it's, it's really just not a lot of people out there. So if you, if, I mean, listen, uh, you know, we, you know, Kevin, Kevin probably knows more apologetics than me and I, I may know a little more than some people, but it really doesn't matter. Uh, if you know the basics, because I think I think and what people are really looking for the most, uh, you know, like you, like when you said, you know, when you were an atheist, you used to debate with Christians and you would pick on them and pick on the, the things they knew nothing about, you know. Uh, but if you just show people that, hey, listen, I mean, I have all the answers, but I, I've been thinking about this, too. You know, this isn't you know, I don't just accept it with a grain of salt or whatever. You know, uh, <clears throat> I've been thinking about it, too. I think that I think that would build a lot of respect with people to know, hey, wow, you're not alone, you know. No, you're exactly right. And, and it's when you, when you create a, a sort of a relationship of solidarity with them and say, you know what, I've doubted too. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to not biblical doctrine, uh, young earth, old earth, not, um, you know, are you Calvinist or you Arminian? Are you something else? You know, all us guys who love theology, we debate this stuff back and forth. It's, it's, it's almost kind of fun unless somebody gets yeah. too serious with it. But, but, you know, ultimately it comes down to one person, one person, and that's Jesus. Yeah. And we have all these denominations all over the world. We have Eastern Orthodox. We have all the denominations in the West. We have all these different, even Catholicism. I have a, one of my... One of my good friends that I work with, basically, you could you could classify him as an evangelical Catholic. It's it's hilarious, almost charismatic Catholic. He works. He's Catholic guy. He's been Catholic all his life. He's the director of operations where we work, and his office is right next to mine. And sometimes I'll just hear him in his office go, "Praise Jesus!" (laughs) Just out of the blue. Um, You know, you got all these different people. And all these different traditions, but it really all comes down to Christ and um, in the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ means everything. And that is what ultimately brought me back to faith. So I may be a little unorthodox in some of my beliefs with some denominations um, in some traditions. But I can tell you right now that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. Whether he died for just a certain chosen few or he died for everybody, whether only certain people will go to heaven or everybody goes to heaven, ultimately it comes down to Christ. Who is he? Who is he? And I believe he is the son of the living God, the the third person of the Trinity, the second person. I don't know which person he is. Um, (laughs) He's in the top three. Yeah, he's in the top three. <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, so, yeah, so you'll find me on Facebook, you know, stretching, pushing, asking questions and things like that. But ultimately, brother, Jesus died for me on the cross. He raised, he was raised from the dead and I was redeemed. And, and I believe he died for everyone. Um, so, you know, whatever your soteriology is, that's what it all comes down to and it's all about relationships as you said Uh, you know you you have a friend who's a skeptic 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me. I want to ask you because uh, I mean, most of our most of our disagreements, you know, have you know been about like you know the the cruciform uh, hermeneutic. Oh yeah, uh, Greg Boyd. Yeah, Greg Boyd. I was I was curious though to because I know you talked about. I mean, it was the Jesus seminar type of stuff that really kind of pushed you away from the faith. Uh, but what, I mean, what, what were the, like, well, who were the people you listened to when you were coming back to the faith that kind of helped with that? I know you mentioned Dr. Brown before. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like Dr. Brown and, and it was it, was it really just like the, the, uh, just defense of the faith in general, or was it, you know, like Eddie Boyd's, uh, or Greg Boyd's, I keep saying Eddie yeah. Boyd because they wrote that book together, but yeah. Uh, or was it like a, like a mix between that and the, the theology that kind of helped that? I mean, yeah. what, what was it? Oh, it's such a great question, bro. It's such a great question. Yeah, you only and got, you got a minute and a half to answer it. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time I've been given a time limit, not yeah. the first time I've blown it. Um, that's a great question, though. Um, and, and in my case, it was a God, it, it was a blitz of all kinds of things that hit me. You know, once you hit rock bottom, once you hit bottom and you just go, I, you know, when I pull off the highway on the way to work and I'm screaming out to a God I don't believe in saying, leave me alone, leave me alone, uh, you know, I, to a God I didn't believe in, um, you know, something's going on. And, and again, there's, there's a whole other story as to how i that moment when I came back to my faith and it was literally a moment. It was a moment, but I, after that moment, um, that happened at my office where I work, uh, I began I, before that I had started listening to Tim Keller. Okay. Timothy Keller is reformed. Yeah. I'm not reformed. <laughs> Um, oh really? You know, I had I had noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what's funny is that Tim Keller is reformed, but buddy, he pushes the limits on reform. Oh, does he? If you ever really listen to, I've listened to probably a hundred of his sermons, and he really pushes the limits when people start asking him questions. Huh. Um, uh, then there's uh, oh, what's the guy, the Scottish guy? Uh, Ah, what's his name? It's it's totally just escaped me now. He's a Scottish pastor here in America, in America. He's very very reformed. Um, I happened upon his broadcast on an AM radio station. I just accidentally hit AM on my car one time and came <laughs> across um, Alistair Begg. You ever oh, heard yeah, of Alistair yeah. Begg? Uh -huh. Okay, I came across his sermon one time, started listening to him. Then every day when I was going home, I was listening to him and I'd laugh at him and I'd make fun of him. And then I just kept listening to him. And before you know it, I got hooked up somehow with Tim Keller. And those two guys started, it was through, the, through them, the Holy Spirit started sort of making cracks in the stone around my heart. Um, and... Uh, so, which is really interesting because I'm not Reformed. Uh, I'm also not Arminian. You know, I don't classify myself as an ism at all, actually. Um, <clears throat> some people say, oh, are you universalist? No, I'm not a universalist. Are you an inclusivist? Well, yeah, you could say that, I guess. But anyway, those two guys made the biggest impact on me. 
the Holy Spirit used them to begin to crack my the stoner on my heart until that one day in my office uh, where I broke. And uh, do you want me to tell you about that? Yeah, sure. You can you can edit it out or whatever. Um, so I was trying to find. I was the executive director at Ronald McDonald House Charities of Madison, and I was I had some headhunters who were looking looking at me from the chapter up in the Twin Cities, which is a much larger chapter. So from a career standpoint, I was going to be moving up, and so the headhunters they have a. a you know what a headhunter is, right? It's just yeah. a company that, yeah, they look for executives and things. Well, somehow they got wind of me. So they sent me this um, uh, form to fill out a questionnaire. It's huge. And there was one question on there. And they asked, they said, what are you most proud of in your career? What one thing did you do that you're most proud of in your career? And by this time, I had already pulled off the interstate and on the way to work and, you know, screamed at God that I didn't believe in and really struggling because I was so miserable. And so I started thinking about it and I thought, let's see, Red Cross, American, I don't want to go to the ministry. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to go there. Uh, I don't believe in God, so I'm not going there. Let's see, Red Cross, eh, maybe, well, we did some things here at Ronald McDonald House. Maybe I could pick one of those. And this one thing kept popping up in my head, Jonathan. It was, it just kept popping. And the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit was popping this up in my consciousness. And it was when I was the pastor of this little church in Indiana, a very troubled church. Um, didn't know what I was getting into there. And uh, there was a deacon there, and his name was Wayne. He was about 80 years old grumpiest old guy that you've ever seen just a grumpy old fart is what he was and uh but at the same time he would give you the shirt off his back so it was really bizarre um but one day he came he, he was a deacon one day he came to me and he said kevin would you go you think you go visit my son david and um i didn't know he had a son named david and i said sure where does he live and he said well he's got some problems he lives in this trailer and it's out here and he gave me the directions and whatnot we didn't have gps back then so um i went out and visited david uh junk all over the place a trailer like a tin can out the woods and i went into his trailer and there were liquor bottles everywhere empty half empty and he was clearly an alcoholic. And we talked for quite a while, actually. And he shared with me that he liked to write poetry and things like that. And it wasn't, it like, I bet it wasn't a week, maybe two weeks after that, that David ended up in the community hospital, which was a, I mean, it's a typical small community hospital. I mean, it's not like a university hospital. But he ended up there. His liver was completely failing on him. When I went to visit him, he was as yellow as a squash, and he just, he was miserable. He was dying. And this guy was in his 40s, but he had just ruined his body. And um, I prayed with him and uh, held his hand, and, uh, and he died. 
So Wayne asked me, will you do David's funeral? And I said, sure, I'll do David's funeral. Um, and I said, you know, David mentioned that he liked to write poetry. He said, yeah. He goes, I said, could you maybe grab some, can you get a hold of some of the poetry that he wrote and give it to me? He said, yeah, I think I can do that. And uh, so the next Sunday or the next time I saw Wayne, he brought, he had the stack, disheveled stack of papers. He said, I just grabbed this out of his trailer and there are things that he wrote down. So I took it home and I started thumbing through it, right? And reading it, he was actually quite good. Hmm. Um, and I came across this poem that he wrote where he talked about how he was fighting his demons and about how he trusted Jesus and that Christ was his savior. And he didn't understand why he was fighting, having to fight so hard, but he, he would not give up his faith in Christ and that he believed in Jesus and, and that he, he, he couldn't stop drinking, but he, he, he wouldn't give up his faith. And it, it was the most amazing, um, just nakedly uh, transparent poem you've ever read in your life. And um, so I picked that one. So at his funeral, what I did was, you know, you do the usual eulogy. Oh, David was born this time and died this time, da, 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 da. And then this was, <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy. So we had little ladies at the church showing up there, all prim and proper. And then we had David's friends from his past show up at this funeral. And they were sitting, it was like a dichotomy, like you've never seen. It's like you have the, the church ladies and Wayne, and you have these guys that look like they're from a, a motorcycle gang. I mean, they were wearing leather and chains. They were rough looking, tattooed all over. And these guys were putting boxes, cartons of cigarettes in the, in the casket with David, putting uh, liters of whiskey in the casket with David. That's how they knew him. And all these church ladies are just absolutely horrified of what was that they were doing this because they all believe that David was not a Christian and he was going to hell anyway. And and uh, and these guys are just saying, "Send here's your send off to hell." Um, so I get up there and I do the thing and the little quick eulogy and then i said you know i said normally i would do a little message here i said but in this case i'm going to let david speak to you himself i'm going to step back and let him talk to you and i read that poem and uh it was like and i always get choked up when i tell this story every single time <laughs> It was like the Holy Spirit just went whoosh in that place. For them to hear about this man, his, his motorcycle gang looking friends on one side and the church ladies on the other, hearing about a human being who struggled with his addiction and yet was, would not let go of his faith in Christ as his Savior and Lord. These people 
the, 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 these ruffians were weeping. They were crying. The old ladies started crying. And I started crying, trying to read this poem. And I can tell you at that point, at the end of that poem, all I said was, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. You have no idea what might be going on in a person's heart and in their life. And I said, I believe that David is with Christ. He struggled with this addiction. He died because of this addiction, but he's with Jesus. And huh, we did the, uh, <laughs> we did the uh, internment and, uh, you know, typical, you know, Christ will come and the dead will be raised. And, um, at that point, when I was walking back to my car, July, it was hot and sweating. I heard somebody walking up next to me and it was Wayne his dad, grumpy old Wayne, and he put his arm around me. And I looked over at him, he's wiping his tears. And all he said to me was, thank you, thank you. And I, I was typing all this stuff out on this questionnaire. And uh, I broke. And I began to weep. I was just weeping like a baby in my office. And uh, Jonathan, I it's like I turned in my chair in my office. And it's as if Christ was right there. And he just embraced me. And uh, I gave in. I gave in. That was the moment where grace reached me, where he finally just took the shell off my heart. And, and he reached me. So there was no argument that brought me back to him. It was pure. It was just love, love and grace. He just knew how to do it. He knew how to do it without coercing me. Yeah. He knew how to do it without making me choose to do what he wanted. He just knew what road to lead me down. So there you go. There's my story on coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry. That's powerful. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's some really good stuff. And I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, if I would, if I'd have heard a story like that, uh, when I was in high school struggling with what I was struggling with, or the same thing with you, if you would have heard a story like that, when you were struggling with that stuff, uh, I think it'd be very powerful. So, uh, I'll just be praying, you know, like, uh, I'll, I'll be posting this, you know, uh, if you're, once you're listening to this, this will, will, will this will be pre-recorded by about a week and week or so. Uh, yeah. But you know, well, I'm sure you have to edit out stuff and all that. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> but you know when we when when you're listening to this, just uh, I, I just I'll just be praying. And even if this doesn't, you know, I, I think especially if you're a Christian or or, or not, even maybe. But uh, I know this will this will definitely touch the hearts of a lot of people uh, just hearing this story. And uh, so just be praying that. Uh, I know me and Kevin will be praying and, and that this will, this will reach the people that, it, that this podcast needs to reach. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and it's, it's just, uh, just fascinating just to see, uh, just to look back and see what the Lord has done uh, in lives. And it's just, is really cool, really cool to see. Uh, so anyway, so uh, 
I, I, just real quick, I mean, you, you don't really have, uh, you know, you're not doing like a podcast or anything like that, but I'm sure, I mean, like you said earlier, you know, uh, now, now that we got you back on social media, uh, <laughs> if somebody, I mean, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the easiest way? I mean, if they connect with you, could they just try to find you on Facebook and, and message you that way? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm available on Facebook. Probably. I mean, they need probably need a friend request me. I'm the only people who can see my posts or friends. Um, otherwise, uh, they can contact me via email if they want to. It's just KD Huddleston. So my name is Kevin Dale Huddleston. So KD Huddleston, H-U-D-D-L-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com if they want to contact me. Um, okay. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about anything. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and believe me, I won't argue. I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not going to like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sensitive, but I'm, yep. you, you know how I'm Jonathan, when it comes to certain theological issues, but somebody puts something out there, I'll go, yeah, but what about this, this, yeah. and this, you know, but that yeah. has nothing to do with somebody's relationship <laughs> with Christ. That's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be good. So, uh, you know, if, and if, you know, if you need to just, just, uh, connect with me and I can get y'all connected or, uh, honestly, a lot of the questions and things, or if you, you know, you just need somebody to talk to or ask questions to, uh, you know, I've, uh, Kevin and I both have been on the end of a lot of that, just sitting with people and, and, uh, just thinking through yeah. some things with them and, and even being a Christian who studied, you know, at, at least a good chunk of apologetics, the basics, uh, I still will talk to non-Christians and, and hear new arguments and, and new things to think through and that sort of thing. Uh, and I know me and Kevin, like, you know, I was, I'm, I'm trying to separate in ministry. You know, what's the difference between a normal Christian and a Bible nerd? You know, <laughs> I think we would be classified <laughs> as Bible nerds. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we, we really do. Like he said, we, we just have, we have really, we have a lot of fun and, and it's exciting and it just, uh, uh, really, I think it really just helps our, our spiritual journeys just to sit and just oh, think yeah. through some things and just have some interesting conversations. Uh, right now, we're actually in the middle of a conversation. I don't think you've, uh, I don't know if you messaged on there or not, but uh, just just did a devil's advocate on the apologetics group and uh, it's getting getting kind of heated already, I think. Oh, I, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I, I'm, in fact, I'm looking forward to going back in there and seeing what people yeah. responded, how people responded that. I yeah. love it when you do that, brother. You play devil's advocate. It's like, dude. You just, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't add everybody to that group. Let me just say that, say that, say it that way. <laughs> that's great. I love it. I love it. See, man, that's what I'm talking about. But once people are solid in their belief in, you know, yeah. in Christ, go ahead and ask questions and push and, and, right. and shape your beliefs and, and, you know, be open to other ideologies that, yeah. are, or at least hermeneutics that maybe not agree with how you interpret the bible at least be willing to listen to it right um, but ultimately it comes down to jesus on the cross jesus resurrected man that's what it comes down to um yeah without that we'd have nothing right and uh, i mean just so y'all know and hopefully you know kevin and i can go on here and talk about you know some of the other things that we maybe we disagree on or whatever but uh, oh i love it let's yeah. do it Woo! yeah that'd be cool <laughs> uh, it's gotta be one of those possibilities in the future i don't know uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You just let me know, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know what's cool, especially when, you know if you if you go back and listen to this, you know after you've heard some of our other conversations, is I mean, me and him, and we we agree on a lot of things too. I mean, we like, but oh yeah, uh, you know we disagree on a lot of stuff, and and yet you know we do this whole podcast because uh, we both know that it comes down to 
uh, it comes down to Jesus Christ and uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, like Paul said, That's right. uh, if, if, if Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is worthless. And That's uh, right. it really comes down to that. And it's just, uh, I just, we'll just uh, go ahead and end that there. Uh, thank yep. you so much, Kevin, for being a part of the podcast thank and you. Uh, sharing your testimony. Jonathan, and- I'm honored. I'm totally honored. I appreciate it. And I respect and honor uh, this opportunity and respect you and uh, appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so like always, if you have uh, any questions, comments, concerns, email gracebombministries at gmail.com. And uh, more importantly, though, if you have a testimony you would like to share or you're a Christian, uh, I want to just say it like that. So that way you don't get cold feet if you're listening to this. But uh, if you're a Christian, <laughs> contact me and uh, let's get your testimony on the podcast. Because uh, you just never know. You never know who could connect with your testimony and how many people uh, could come to Christ just because of you just sharing your story. And that's really that's really what it is, is your story and uh, Jesus, how Jesus plays a part in your life and how uh, he has you. Like Kevin said, he has you. Uh, so, all right. Thank you. God bless. And uh, just bless. looking forward to uh, seeing everybody in, in the next coming podcast. Thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. Uh, I know there's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And uh, if you would, uh, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, podcast, please you know, leave a five-star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries.